What is it? My doves, they're dead. I trained those birds for eight years. How am I supposed to do my magic act now? How did this happen? They like it outside, so I kept them in a cage on the terrace, and then I found them dead in a pool of water. <laughs> This it must have been an accident. Accident? Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I am one of your hosts, Stephen. And I'm the other host, Ivan. And uh, every week we take a random Seinfeld episode and talk about the secondary characters from it. And this week we're talking about the first episode of season six, The Chaperone. Yes, The Chaperone, that's right. That was released in 1994 on September 22nd, that one. And uh, oh boy, Stephen, it has been, you know, watching Seinfeld has been so cathartic for me, especially in these very turbulent times at the moment. I mean, what a, what a whole change in different scenarios that we've had in the last, you know, couple of weeks. Crazy, huh? Especially in Australia. Indeed, indeed. I thought the peak of the insanity was uh, people rampantly buying toilet paper. Turns out that was just the start yes. of uh, the way the world has shifted significantly, fundamentally, I'd say, in, you know, a week, two weeks. And it just seems to be getting crazier. So with that in mind, and as a context, we've decided to sort of follow the, I guess, necessary trend of uh, social distancing. We're recording over Skype. Uh, we tried to do it last week, but due to a poor internet connection on my end, it was proving to be a bit of a technical difficulty. We did try and get Stacey in last week as well, but it was just too much of a, it was just poor. We didn't want to release something crap. So we're sorry we didn't release an episode last week, but I've got good internet now, which is perfect timing <laughs> considering we're working from home. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the internet got uh favored me uh, in that respect and uh we're actually bringing you a decent uh quality skype recording yeah and also i was a bit unwell anyway so even while we were recording with all those technical difficulties i still wasn't feeling 100 percent anyway so in a way it kind of worked out doing it this week so yeah sorry for the delay in this week's episode but uh, yeah obviously it's been very turbulent and uh, yeah we have decided to keep on going with bimbo bask oh for sure i mean i don't think we'd stop uh, anyway, just again, another point about Skype recording. Uh, we have done Skype recordings in the past where, you know, we've been in different countries or we've just had to be apart for whatever reason. Uh, we're going to continue doing this uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, we could go to the H.E. Pennypacker Studios, but we feel like it's maybe the best thing to do for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. if the audio quality is reduced, we apologize in advance, but uh, I'm sure you can understand given, like we said, the state of the world at the moment. Yeah, well, you've been with us for nearly, well, this is the 140th or the 140th episode. You've been with us for that long, so I think you, you can put up with us over Skype. You know what? I just realized we ticked over our third year anniversary last week and we, we didn't did. even acknowledge it. I know we did. Yeah, happy anniversary, man. Yeah, <laughs> March 15, 2017 was when we put out our first episode i know that really terrible super nazi episode which we had to redo <laughs> last year oh well we've redone it so <laughs> yeah that's up. it that's it yeah three years so uh yeah it's been an incredible ride so whether you are listening to us for the first time or you've been with us three years ago like some of you super fans that i know are out there uh yeah thanks for the support so far yeah no and uh if you continue to support us through the crazy times we appreciate it um and just sort of on that i don't want to harp too much on about it but please do the right thing uh support your neighbors if people who maybe are a bit vulnerable need some help by going to the shops or just checking in on them we encourage it you know there are a lot of people suffering already economically and obviously medically and every little bit helps because this is a fight that every single person regardless of 
your status in life or where you live or who you are or your worldview. It's It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care about your background or your wealth or your politics. We're in it together. And if we can encourage even one of our listeners to just be a bit more mindful of hygiene and personal space and just being informed and, and trying to spread the right information, not all the crap that's floating around, it's, it's worth me saying that. So. Yeah. yeah, and if you see a poppy who's too sloppy, just put some uh, cucumber on their pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't um, don't don't just sit there and and look anxiously at the tap. Go up to Poppy and be like, Poppy, now is not the time to be sloppy, and uh, it, you have to do better, Poppy. Exactly. Yeah. So wash your hands, please. Yeah, and don't don't pee on couches either. That's I mean that's <laughs> that goes gen that goes for you know life in general, but uh, especially <laughs> in this case, if you're thinking about peeing or pooing on a couch. Maybe just don't do that. That's it. Well, actually, we have one more thing to announce as well, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a bit of an intro, but uh, we're getting there. We've decided that because, you know, obviously a lot of you will be home over the foreseeable future and you're probably finding or trying to find some things to consume while you're, uh, you know, in self-isolation or you're just being risk-averse and, you know, making sure that you just stay at home. Um, we've decided to relaunch our Patreon page from next week. Yeah, so maybe a month or six weeks ago, we decided to put a pause on it because we just found that uh, it was quite a bit of effort um, and there just didn't seem to be many interested subscribers and that's certainly not to dig at the people who were supporting us but you know sometimes you just have to assess the uh, I guess the output versus the input but given the circumstance and the fact that we're going to have a lot more time at home and also like Ivan said to give you a bit more content to listen to while you're working at home or maybe just while you're bored in bed recovering or whatever may be going on uh, we're going to be uh, launching next or launching back next week I think it's the first of April and that's going to be the original week early access to standard bid will bask episodes as well as season two uh, of Curbcast. Uh, we've talked about it in the past, but we're going to re uh, reactivate the season 11 of uh, Seinfeld. So it's all, you know, we've decided to basically just re reactivate uh, what we were pausing just to sort of pump out content, keep ourselves busy, and hopefully uh, give you a bit more joy in uh, what is a pretty trying time. <laughs> exactly. But what we're doing is we thought maybe to, you know, for those who may have considered joining us on Patreon for bonus content or anything like that, um, we've decided to put a pause on payments for the month of April uh, of 2020. So if you do sign up between now and May the 1st, you won't be charged. Um, yep. So you'll be able to listen to Curbcast and um, early access to Bidwabask and stuff for free for the whole month of April. So it's a nice yep. incentive to sign up. Yeah, that's right. So between uh, April 1st and uh, I guess April 30th, you can become a Patreon. You sign up like normal. Uh, you get access to all the content, but you won't be charged until the 1st of May. Uh, Ivan was saying uh, off mic that it's basically a 33-day trial. Yeah, um, you know, if, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to continue, you just unsubscribe. And if you do want to continue, um, I think we'll just start at two or three bucks a month. So obviously, money is tight for a lot of people. So if that's a bit too much for you, no hard feelings. But you know, we just want to offer some content for free just to entice some people. And uh, if you want to continue supporting us after that, that would be amazing. But if you can't. You know, even even normally, if you can't, that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's all everyone's trying to, you know, sort of watch every dollar. So it's all good. For sure. Well, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. And we will put that in the show notes for the first time in many weeks. That's right. It's nice <laughs> to put it back. Exactly. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us uh, normally, you can email us bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. We are on all the socials. We'll probably be a bit more active than normal. Um, not that we're inactive, but... Uh, <laughs> 
again, just to uh, consume some time and keep our minds positive. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, um, and you can obviously listen to all of our old podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, uh, oh, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, they've changed the name now. Etc, etc, etc. And uh, aside from Patreon, again, no pressure. We don't want to come across as asking too much, but uh, if you have a couple of bucks to spare and you don't want to become a Patreon, we do have a PayPal link as well. But, you know, given the times, no pressure, but it is there if you feel the need or feel the want to throw us a few bucks. Yes, and you'll always get Bidwell Bask for free. That will never be paywall. We can assure you of that. Okay, that is all the announcements. Uh, let's crack on with uh, our normal uh, format. So, Seinfeldisms, do you have any for the last couple of weeks? Well, it's really funny. You think you, you think that because, you know, we're locked at home, there might be something Seinfeld-related that happens in the home, but no, nothing for me, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, you could probably vaguely relate some home situations to Seinfeldisms. You've got a lot of time to like make that stretch, but you know, when you're not out in the world as much, there's less of a chance. I have one a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a really cool, funny Aussie podcast called Bunta Vista. And they uh, said, not in the context of Seinfeld, but just in normal conversation, they said, uh, what's the deal? I can't remember what they said it about. <laughs> they, were, they were talking about something and one of them just went, what's the deal with Subject X, whatever that may have been. Nice. That's always a real Seinfeldism. What's the deal with that's that's incorporated in many many aspects of our culture. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And what's the deal with that? I, I feel like Seinfeldisms uh, have sort of become uh, a bit more popular lately because obviously memes, you know, always take pop culture and relate it to real life events. And with all the craziness, there's been some really amazing memes. Uh, you know, mostly related to Poppy and hygiene, the coughing dog, uh, the old lady, uh, Mabel choked getting mugged. Mm-hmm. So that's it, it you know one positive in in the negative is that it has provided some pretty good lols yeah for sure for sure well at least you had a seinfeldism through all this turmoil yeah yeah i, I think that was a uh, pretty admirable considering <laughs> the uh the lack of contact with the real world yeah well seinfeld news man how many uh real life seinfeld news stories do you have uh so i've got four this week four my goodness what's happened tell yeah, me yeah so i'll start off with the uh as expected covid19 uh, news items first so you know, most TV shows have shut down production uh, and some of them is sort of adapting and doing like at home productions or just sort of productions with no uh, or shooting with no audience or production with no audience. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel is amongst those shows and he's actually been uh, broadcasting from home. So almost like a like a vlog, really, but turned into like a full uh, full episode. Kind of like had- what we're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, video as opposed to uh, audio. But he uh, had JLD uh, through the week, and obviously they talked about COVID-19 and isolation because LA is in lockdown, all, all of California is in lockdown at the moment. She said that uh, she is a clean freak naturally, so, you know, she's already prepared for possible infection and that she's washing her hands so much lately that she's washed away her fingerprints, which I thought was pretty funny. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been washing my hands a lot too. It's been crazy. I, you know, I, I haven't put more moisturizer on my hands they say that you're supposed to put moisturizer on them at the end of the day because apparently yeah soap can really dry your skin yeah yeah it does i mean i noticed that my skin's a bit i have pretty dry skin anyway but i've noticed that it's been a bit more dry because i've been washing my hands for longer more often uh, and using hand sanitizer so i'm sure that you know the next the next company to make a mozza off this is uh, maybe moisturizer companies oh yeah they'd be making a killing supermarkets toilet paper companies now now beauty companies yeah that's it moisturizer. the second bit of news and again it's covid19 related uh, there's been a whole bunch of, uh, you know, one, one thing that, I mean, we kind of, we're in the business of it in a way, uh, people love, especially on Twitter, taking sort of modern day concepts and, and turning them into Seinfeld plots. And naturally there's been a whole bunch of COVID-19, uh, plot ideas if Seinfeld was around now. Um, most of them are pretty, eh, like 
pretty pretty average. But there's been a few absolute pearlers. Um, one of them is that Jerry would have his uh, girlfriend, who has actually been infected, have to quarantine with him. And uh, <laughs> you know, he's a bit sketchy on the relationship anyway. And because he's a clean freak, that would cause quite the calamity for him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty good. I, I saw um, one online where it said that George pretends to have coronavirus to get out of a, a relationship. Have you heard that yeah. one? Yeah. No, I didn't read that one. But that, one. that is that is very on point for George. <laughs> he just he pretends to have it. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, he pretends to be disabled. He pretends to be a whole bunch of other things. He pretends to be a person. So yeah, he's just shit. <laughs> yeah, pretending pretending to have a virus is just perfectly expected from him. One of the other plots that I thought was really good, and it is a George one, is that he fears infection uh, from his parents after they come back from a cruise. From oh, a cruise, a cruise. Well, go on a cruise. <laughs> Perfect. Where's my cruise? Where? <laughs> And uh, he's a bit paranoid about uh, becoming infected. One, and again, this is just brilliant. Uh, Elaine uh, breaks up with an, uh, with a doctor at the start of the episode. And uh, after she becomes infected or pop, she fears that she may be infected. She does everything she can to try and get back with him. Oh. Just to take advantage of his uh, you know, medical knowledge and know-how. Nice. And uh, finally, a Kramer-related plot. I thought this was the best one out of all of them. Uh, not just Kramer is that. He thinks that he comes up with a cure and uh, he goes around trying to sell what is basically snake oil to, uh, you know, to to the core for and anyone else in his life. Um, and also that it sort of just activates the conspiratorial uh, mindset that he has already. But I'm sure he'd have good intentions for it, though. He probably he'd probably legitimately think that it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to suggest that he would be intentionally a scammer, but it would be snake oil. It would just be crap. <laughs> You know, it would probably just be disinfectant or something. He'd be a benevolent snake oil salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so that, that's been good. Again, just providing some lols in what can be a pretty grim time. Yeah. A couple of other non-COVID-19 related Seinfeld news items. This is probably the best news of the week. Probably the best Seinfeld news in a little while, actually. A angel, an anonymous angel sent from heaven has gifted the world with 80 minutes, eight zero minutes of previously unseen Seinfeld bloopers. Oh, I have to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on... Um, uh, Reddit, a user by the name of Mr. John Lott uploaded the footage. Oh, sorry, he posted a link after uploading the footage to YouTube. And uh, a little explainer was that he found the DVD at a flea market and he was curious as to what it was. And when he went home and watched it, uh, it had uh, 80 minutes of uncut bloopers. Uh, and the DVD was dated 1999 or 2000. Oh, in uh, the really early stages of DVDs when they first came out. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And yeah. It, it, it was it was just sort of like a almost looked like a pirated DVD, like it wasn't produced properly or it didn't have a case with a you know professionally printed cover or anything. He can't sort of confirm the source, but based on the information uh, on the DVD and the timing of when the footage was released and the fact that these bloopers had never see, been seen in public before, what he thinks is that maybe it was made for the cast and crew after the show had ended just as like a parting gift of like, hey, here's a highlight reel of all the funny stuff that we went through. Oh, something internal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yeah. was just for the Seinfeld cast and crew and then somehow it ended up in this flea market and uh, he's, you know, like I said, become an angel sent from heaven and uploaded it for the world to see and I haven't watched all of it. I've sort of just skipped through it and there's some really, really good stuff on there. Nice, yeah. nice. I'll check that out and we'll put that in the show notes too. Indeed. Finally, there a couple of weeks ago there was recent, uh, there was rumours flying around that Jerry Seinfeld might actually buy the New York Mets, you know, which would make sense, the fact that he's now a billionaire and he loves baseball. But he did tell TMZ in an interview that uh, those are just rumours. Uh, he's not in the baseball team market and the best way to appreciate sports is just by 
by buying a hot dog, uh, a beer, and just taking a seat at the game and watching and cheering on your team, which is surprisingly humble for a recently uh, a recently accomplished billionaire. Well, I think Jerry just wants to stay in his lane. He just wants to enjoy it, and he doesn't want to get involved in the administration and the finances of the uh, of the team. Yeah, and I mean, probably good timing as well, because baseball as well as all other sports have been cancelled. So. <laughs> exactly. It's only probably- what NRL, like rugby league at the moment in Australia. Actually, I think even they're suspending their season. AFL so. suspended their season recently. So Yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, I, I gave a lift. I do a bit of Uber driving uh, on the weekend just for a bit of extra income. And I gave a lift actually to a uh, an AFL player. He plays for Richmond. I can't remember his name. Nice guy. Okay. When I was giving him a lift, we were talking about the you know the restrictions and what, what, what it was like to play in front of zero people and all this. And he's like, oh, I think they'll continue the season on. You know, they'll just sort of uh, maybe they'll play at smaller stadiums to cut costs and da 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 da. You know, but we've got to give the fans like at least something to watch. Mm. during hard times. Yeah. And then about two hours later, the the Victorian premier Daniel Andrews came out and he said, "AFL's cancelled." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> it's yeah, all done. I think I think this guy. I can't remember his name, but I think his his hopes were dashed. Ah, oh, well, better luck next year. They get paid enough anyway. I think they'll be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I mean, even a pay cut for them is probably more money than most people. <laughs> Yeah, it's like hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Really? Yeah, I, I picked really? I picked him up at his house in uh, in Richmond and or oh, sorry Abbotsford, which is quite a wealthy suburb here in Melbourne. Mm, uh, yeah, it is. You know, in, like pretty close to the city, and uh, just judging by the outside of his house. He's doing fine. He's doing just fine on his yeah. half a million dollars yeah, yeah. a year, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all the Seinfeld news for a week. Very good, mate. Uh, we just want to, I just want to say as well, uh, rest in peace to Kenny Rogers. He passed away last weekend. So uh, he is yeah. the, uh, he was, he's roasting, or what, what's it called? Kenny Rogers Chicken? What's it called? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, his chicken shop. I forgot the name. Kenny Rogers Chicken. He uh, he played a big part in the episode, The Chicken Roaster in uh, right. Seinfeld. So yeah, we thought I'd uh, give my condolences to uh, Kenny Rogers. Rest in Indeed. peace, mate. Yep. Another star in the uh, Seinfeld universe shines above us you got to know when to hold them know when to fold them and uh, we certainly know when to hold let's take a quick break we've had so many announcements and so many things to talk about in these turbulent times but we want to give you the entertainment so uh, let's take a quick break we're going to talk about the secondary characters from season six the premiere episode the chaperone hello folks matt mccoy here aka lloyd braun from seinfeld and i'm telling you right now I do not want to be a secondary character. The Chaperone first aired in the US on September 22nd, 1994. This one was directed by Andy Ackerman in his directorial debut. So he took over from uh, Tom Sharones in this episode. And uh, this one was written by Larry David, Bill Masters, and Bob Shaw. In this episode, Jerry connects with a Miss America pageant contestant, Miss Rhode Island, at a Yankees game. She's played by Marguerite McIntyre, and her character is Karen Hansen. And uh, he asks her out on a date. They have to have a chaperone, however, and Kramer of course, volunteers being a uh, connoisseur of Miss America. As it turns out, Kramer knows a lot about how to win a beauty pageant contest and is soon Miss Rhode Island's personal trainer. After being turned down for a job at major book publisher Doubleday, Elaine is hired by Justin Pitt, who we see for the very first time in Seinfeld. He's played by Ian Abercrombie and she becomes his personal assistant. Her first task is to go out and buy him new socks. Um, George, meanwhile, is surprised to learn that the Yankees uniforms are made of polyester and switches them to cotton with major re- Percussions, and uh, in this episode, Stephen, this is the first one we do see of George working at the Yankees full time, and uh, he tries to make his mark by changing the jerseys. Yeah, I mean, if he the uniforms, sorry. Yeah, so to me, it's not his fault that the uniform shrunk. I mean, maybe if he didn't consider that, some of the blame is on him, but. 
surely you should be able to wash cotton things without them shrinking first go around. So they're either che- they're either manufactured cheaply or the dry cleaner, or whoever cleaned them, the industrial or the dry cleaner, uh, didn't do a good job. So yeah, they set the dryer on the high by mistake. Yeah. So even though it was George's idea, the uh, the, the poor outcome of the uniforms, I'm going to give him a pass on that one. Probably a very rare pass because normally it's definitely his fault. Fair enough. Well, he was just trying to make a good first impression. And, yeah. You know, we yeah. see later on that he just becomes, you know, it's funny how in season six he's so enthusiastic working for the Yankees, his dream, you know, his team growing up. And then you see later on before he gets fired, then he just, you know, he realizes that it's not as fun as it should be. And uh, he starts to get really resentful about working there. Yeah. Sometimes the idea is uh, a lot worse than the perception of it. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's a lot more glamorous than the reality of it. You know? On paper. Yeah. On paper, it sounded good, but uh, in reality, reality and didn't work out too well for him just another bureaucracy indeed anyway some trivia for the episode mate so this is the first time jerry says the phrase that's a shame that's a shame that's a shame and uh, george says it first yeah yeah um i mean obviously i was trying to figure out like why doesn't jerry's uh, sorry why doesn't george get enough credit for saying the saying first and i think it may not be the sole reason but i think it's a contributing reason is that the Jerry uh, That's a Shame gif is so popular, especially in like Facebook comment responses. Mm, you know, people, there's yeah. like there's like five or ten gifs that are far more common than anyone else. Yeah, it's really used more for like sarcastic responses. Yeah, 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 yeah. When someone's, you know, when it's just like, oh, Harvey Weinstein got convicted or he's got the coronavirus or something and everyone's like, no, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, or it's like, I can't go to Bondi Beach because of the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I reckon, just, just a theory, but I reckon that's why why this particular saying is attributed to Jerry when technically it should be attributed to George. No, that's right. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right. The gift really, uh, really made it his own. Indeed. The episode mentions Jackie O quite a few times. That's uh, right. Justin Pitt is besotted with Elaine uh, the first time he sees her because she has a striking resemblance, well, maybe just with the scarf and glasses, uh, of Jackie O. And the real Jackie O, uh, Jackie Onassis, she died in uh, 1994, May 19. And coincidentally, that was the same day that the season five finale ended. Uh, Ed, that's right. And uh, Jackie O, uh, as it does allude in the episode, she actually was working for Double Day. So Elaine was trying to uh, take her position. Yeah, I I really like it when Seinfeld, um, you know, obviously they take sort of, what's the word? They sort of, you know, they they make stuff up that's still based Based on reality, but I really like it when they include real stuff in there. You know, they could have easily said that anyone works for Doubleday or that Jackie O works for any other company, but the fact that they included her working for Doubleday in the episode, the real life agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I really like it when, you know, sitcoms, which aren't based on reality at all, include uh, as much reality as possible. I really like that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was a nice touch. Definitely, yeah, Yeah. very, very well done. And it adds to the realism of Seinfeld, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's rooted mostly in the real world. They don't really make much stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Now they 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 uh, usually yeah they take real stuff and they go with it. Indeed. Do you have any other trivia? I do. You'll like this one, Stephen. The series premiere of your second favorite sitcom, Friends, occurred on the same day that this episode aired. <laughs> when when you when you just said my second favorite sitcom, I thought you actually meant uh, my second favorite sitcom. And when you said Friends, my mind immediately went to Frasier. Oh, Frasier, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that Frasier is, aired that a bit earlier than that. Favorite. That is yeah. my second favorite sitcom aside from Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, and the first syllable was correct. 
correct, but then the last <laughs> syllable or the last part of the, that that word was incorrect. So yes. you, you you set me up for disappointment. Uh, I'm sorry, mate. No, I know I know you're not really a fan of it, but no, it's very interesting because um yeah no friends I think Friends was on NBC as well, so uh, they have yeah. the air on the uh, in the same week as, as Seinfeld or the same day yeah. I should say. So yeah, there you go. Indeed, uh, I've got one more. So the original title of the episode was The Birds, the, not the Alfred Hitchcock uh, film. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 referencing the uh, birds that Karen uses for her magic act that uh, Jerry Seinfeld accidentally <laughs> murders. The doves. <laughs> the doves. The doves, yes. And, uh, I don't yeah. know, it sounds like pigeons or something. <laughs> pigeons or something, yeah, and he uses the, the water from the ice bucket to <laughs> accidentally kill him. That was so good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, the actual Miss Rhode Island at the time for 1994, uh, her name was Tori Lynn Heaton, and she was from the town of Cranston in Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. okay. There you go. Thought a bit, bit of trivia for the, the fans who listen from Rhode Island. Uh, thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, and if you are from Rhode Island, big shout-outs to you. Yes, and hopefully one day you'll win Miss America. I just learned recently that, well, not re- relatively speaking recently, that Rhode Island isn't actually an island. No? Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was an actual island. It's not connected by a bridge or anything. No, it's, oh. just, it's, it's just part of mainland America. Cool. Um, it's got a lot of islands off it. I think Nantucket and all those sort of northeastern islands are part of Rhode Island or very, very close to. Yeah. Maybe Connecticut, somewhere up there. I don't know. It's all kind of just the same area. But I always thought it was uh, an island, but it's not. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I've never been well, to Rhode Island, but I'm sure it's a nice place, even though there's no water around it. Yeah, obviously the colonial you know, settlers and Rhode Island founders just named it an island just to fuck with people. Exactly. You'd be like, what the <laughs> hell? Where's all the water? Where's the beach? Maybe, maybe you know, during those times when travel was a lot harder, they named it an island so that if people from you know faraway lands are like oh we should go to Rhode Island and they're like well we don't have a ship what's the point <laughs> going there just to keep people away yeah you know, and then they turn up and they're like oh you motherfuckers it's, like, <laughs> it's not an island you... I gotta put my surfboard back in the car you bastards <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> anyway speaking of Rhode Island let's talk about our first secondary character for today Karen Hansen aka Miss Rhode Island of 1994 she's played by theatre and film actress Marguerite McIntyre she's appeared in the TV shows The Vampire Diaries, The Shield, and NCIS, and she's had a prolific career in theatre. She has worked on and off Broadway, as well as in several regional theatre productions in the United States. Hmm. Yeah, she she has the theatre actress or actor quality, which is you know a lot of facial expressions, and she's very animated and very uh, extroverted and bubbly. You know, most, yeah. act, most actors are, but you know that sort of like that subtle trait that theatre actors have, where they're a bit more like animated and like expressive yeah. she's got that yeah she does and and it's funny because i've never seen her work before in theater or film i haven't seen her in anything else but when she's you know when miss rhode island's trying to sing at the end and she can't sing you can tell that marguerite's actually a really good singer in real life she's like a very talented singer trying to pretend that she can't sing you can still see yeah. like wisps of talent when she's not even trying you know she's trying to make it sound like she can't sing yeah like she that. doesn't sound like you know a dying cat no no yeah, she, she definitely sounds like an accomplished singer who's trying to sound out of tune and i reckon that would have been harder than for her to just sing normally absolutely yeah no you could tell like jerry said it sounds like an animal being tortured but there were a few you know things in there where she actually sounded pretty good like on keys so yeah (laughs) yeah there a couple of lines here and there you're like oh that's good and then the rest of it is like oh but it's deliberately done you know you can tell she's putting it on so yeah (laughs) anyway i I like her character man she's fun yeah no she's just really um kind of just humble and down to earth and very just plain but in like a in a refreshing way she has no like arrogance or no pretension no. just just very like you know she i mean you know rhode island is not part of the midwest but her traits and her personality remind me of what is stereotypically considered a midwestern person just very humble very down to earth mm, yeah. maybe a bit
bit naivety, maybe. A um, little bit. I think she's probably not as naive as you think, but I think she's also pretty open to constructive criticism as well. You know, when yeah. Kramer says, oh, you know, usually when he says a really crass remark about a woman's features, you know, like the nose job with the nose and, and all that kind of stuff in that season three episode, she actually takes the criticism about her waist well. Criticism, according to Kramer, she actually takes it quite well. Yeah, I, I, I got the impression when Kramer delivers that line that it, it probably bothered her on some level, but she realizes that for now to win the competition, if I do feel hurt, I need to put that aside. I have to and, do what it takes. And yeah, and, and mm. just and and listen to the advice of, you know, someone who she probably regretted listening to the advice of immediately afterwards. But yeah. Yeah, no, she's. I think she's humble enough to sort of put her own emotions and ego aside mm. to listen to, you know, what may have been good feedback, who knows. And the fact that she does magic as well, I mean, I think that just shows, like, a kind of down-to-earthness. Yeah, um, she likes to think outside the box. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, magic is, you know, it's a showy kind of performance by nature, but I don't associate magic with ego or, or pretense. It's very, like, I don't know, it, it, it's, an, it's an odd pairing, her personality and being a magician, but it kind of makes sense in this weird way. Yeah, I think she really likes to stand out. I mean, she wants to, she's kind of her own person, I feel. So everyone yeah. else is like singing or dancing or, you know, mm. doing other things, but she kind of wants to throw a bit of a curveball and do something a bit different. So she thought magic's probably a good idea. Give it a crack yeah. and, you know, it'll stand out. And I think I think Trump was uh, part of Miss America at the time, I think. I think he was, he's been involved with Miss America in more ways than one. From <laughs> from what I've read, um, I think, so I think yeah, he's actually involved with Miss Universe. Oh, was it Miss Universe? Wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah, got yeah. confused. No. Nah. Okay. It's all good. Oh, it's Miss yeah, okay. We never really had. I think. I think. I mean, there are Miss Australia and Miss, you know, Queensland and states and stuff, but it wasn't such a. It wasn't so big here. No, um, it's never been big pageants. No, but Miss Universe and Miss America was, you know, so it, I just associate it so much with like the seventies and eighties and maybe even nineties in America. It just seems like such a cultural touchstone. Absolutely, and even like guys like Kramer when they were young he used to watch all yeah. the Miss Americas. Yeah, it was a big, a big cornerstone of uh, American television. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. One thing I wanted to ask you. Do you think she actually, I mean, obviously she liked Jerry when they met at the baseball because Jerry was very charming and very funny, um, you know, as he is when he meets uh, meets women. He's, he's very good at uh, tuning them and, you know, talk and charming them and making them laugh. You know, when he goes on his date with her, obviously he's pretty pissed off that Cream is just sort of, well, for cock more or less cock, him. cock blocking him. Yeah. Um, That's exactly what I was but, thinking, yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't tell whether, I mean, because she's such a nice person, I don't think she'd be rude to anyone. I think she would treat everyone with like a really friendly respect uh manner but i couldn't tell whether she was just being her normal polite friendly self to jerry or whether she actually liked him um i'm not sure <laughs> i think probably she wanted to take it easy and see how it goes and I don't know, maybe she did fancy Jerry's, um, Jerry, maybe, probably not his humour as much, but maybe, I don't know, she probably saw something in him. Yeah, actually, I would disagree. I think she did like his humour because when he, uh, you know, when she's like, oh, I'm watching my weight and he's like, well, I'm watching my height, you know, like he's he's making, he's cracking jokes and you can see her smiling. I think oh, she does. I, th I, I, I interpreted it like it was all going over her head, you know, like she didn't really react to it. Like I didn't really see any emotion when she, when he said those things, when he said those jokes. You know, usually when he says them to other women, the other women will laugh, but for her i don't know i thought maybe she was a bit unintelligent you know or maybe she missed the joke or something and it went over her head i mean that's the way i saw it mm, no, I did, saw I, it? no you probably saw it differently obviously yeah but yeah. you know that's okay yeah i just couldn't tell whether she really liked jerry or whether she was just being friendly because she's friendly to everyone you know she didn't make it obvious that she didn't like him mm. but there was nothing that really stood out to make me think that oh she's really into jerry you know and i think that's why jerry was probably i mean he was mostly offered at the end and didn't care that she was uh, <laughs> uh, uh 
you know, flailing on stage. But um, yeah, maybe because she didn't give him any clear signals. Maybe that's why he was a bit like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Yeah, whatever. And probably the doves would have, you know, probably sealed the deal as well. He probably thought, geez, if I killed her doves and yeah. that's like her way to win the pageant, then that's it. And he, he probably realized once he did that, then it was set that she wouldn't win Miss America because she doesn't have the talent. And he probably thought, because even George was so excited at the allure of Jerry dating a Miss America pageant. You yeah, know? he's it's like, like, you, oh, can, you, can, you can be dating some... Miss America. It yeah. Happens, you know, and then probably the allure just disappeared once those doves died. I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And probably when uh, they saw her singing on stage. That that was it. <laughs> they just yeah. chuck it straight to the Yankees game. Yeah, like, they're, oh, the Yankees are right. excited to watch Yankees game and they <laughs> yeah. his potential girlfriend embarrassing herself on stage. <laughs> That's right. Oh, those cotton, those cotton uniforms—they're <laughs> not running too well. <laughs> you just see the look of despair on George's face. Yeah, That's yeah, when yeah. Jerry pulls the "That's a shame" line. That's yeah. a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. As a Mets fan, he's probably like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> Stuff the Yankees. <laughs> And I think he does enjoy seeing George fail. You know, oh, even in, though, in parts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though they're best friends, he does get you know there's there's a bit of Schadenfreude there. Yeah, he does, get, he does get a bit of a kick out of you know even his best mate failing, he, he <laughs> gives him a bit of a kick. Gets a bit um, of a pop. Yeah. One last thing about um, Karen. Do you think she would have? I mean, obviously her confidence would have been shot after this, and she probably would have just not shown her face in public. But do you think that maybe? she would have like recovered and regained her confidence and come back the next year? Or do you think that would have been it for her in, in, in Miss America? Oh, well, I think she's pretty tenacious. She probably would have come back next year, if not the year after, and had a good crack. Probably yeah. wouldn't have won Miss America, but, you know, probably would have bought some new doves and retrained them. Probably need a year or two to train doves. Yeah. <laughs> for your magic true. trick. And then and, and she's back. And I know she might have made the top 10 or something or top 20, but, you know, yeah, probably wouldn't have gone all the way, I don't think. No, I, I think she would have abandoned magic for the next year because she actually mentions that it took her eight years to train those doves. Oh, eight years. Oh, yeah. yeah of so I reckon maybe, I mean, she could have done magic without birds. Yeah. But but if uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I think maybe she maybe she could have spent a year on singing lessons and become a good singer. Yeah, <laughs> naturally sing decent. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you have anything else about it? No, I, I think she's... I, I really enjoyed her character, and uh, she's one of those really good one-off characters that I enjoy yeah. in Seinfeld. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a testament maybe to the writing as well as her as an actress. You know, there's no... Most, most especially Jerry's, but other other characters' girlfriends or, or boyfriends are memorable because of a trait or a uh, something in their life. Like, they're a communist or they've got big hands mm. or they've got big nose or, you know, they're a, they're a Lithuanian nun or... Uh, sorry, a Lithuanian author. None, you know, Latvian like, Orthodox. Sorry, you know, there's always something very specific about them. But Karen, like we've said, there was no. I mean, a Miss America contestant is, you know, is not a common thing that people can can say that they are. But her as a person, she's just very like sort of just normal and 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 humble. She's not. She doesn't have any defining characteristics. But what makes her memorable is more than you know an idiosyncrasy i think it's just the acting and 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 the writing for sure yeah. for sure yeah all right well let's talk about the next secondary character uh let's talk about uh mrs landis miss landis that's right she is played by gail strickland she's appeared in the film the american president and tv shows such as melrose place um we did talk about her in our the switch episode from a couple of months ago so we did go really into depth with her and this is her first of two appearances on the show yes yeah, so obviously she's in episode one which is this one the chaperone and she appears 10 episodes later when she uh, does her shoulder <laughs> after playing tennis yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess in the context of this episode with Landis, I mean, she's obviously worked with Jackie Onassis and, you know, she's probably 
gutted that someone like her passed away and was working a double day and uh, I think she's probably just trying to find someone who's kind of at the same level as Jackie and she can read people really well and she can see that Elaine doesn't have lots of grace and uh, yeah she's not happy with uh, hiring Elaine even Elaine knows it in the end yeah you can't have some grace you either have grace or you don't Oh, you don't. And then it's funny because Mr. Pitt says in another scene that Lane does have grace, so that validates her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is before all the tennis situation and stuff and uh, before what happened in the Switch when her, you know, I'll never be able to play again, (laughs) you know, with her feigning injury, so. Yeah, look, I find her quite off-putting and obnoxious in this episode. She's very, like, very rude to Elaine to say, she's basically saying, you're not Jackie Onassis, so you're shit. She'd be a terrible boss. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I imagine if Elaine did get the job you know and and, i mean i'm sure elaine would have dealt with mrs landis you know off screen because you know they both work a double day well they're close together but i reckon you know she would have every time they would have seen each other there would have been some mention of jackie o but the implication is that you are not jackie o and you and you only got this job because mr pitt is obsessed with it's not even about you it's about jackie o that's right and his obsession with it as well yeah yeah yeah. and just that one time you reminded him of her that's the only reason you're here and i reckon she would have i reckon she would have constantly reminded her of that fact even if it was like a subtle dig i reckon elaine would have had to put up with that quite a lot yeah but interestingly in the switch we mentioned that landis kind of sort of remembers elaine from the interview so i I think it was probably very fleeting those thoughts she probably like after a week or two she's like oh who was that woman again yeah so well okay maybe they didn't run into each other because i forgot about that in the switch but you know janice works at double day mr pitt works at double day they obviously have a working relationship and i just thought by extension mr pitt's pa who would have been with him all the time just would have run into it run into her incidentally but they mustn't have you know, maybe maybe Elaine intentionally avoided her. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Because uh, she knew that uh, she was so rude and pretty unpleasant. <laughs> and she would have been terrible if she Yeah, and she, you know, she didn't want to be compared to Jackie. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, she does get her just desserts of sorts in the Switch. Yeah, no. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she, she plays the, well, she doesn't play the long game, but the long game works out in her favor. It does. And she never played tennis again. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. Anything else about her? Oh, no, no. Nothing for me. For Nothing more for Landis. Like I said, go back to the switch and we talk about her more in depth in that one let's talk a bit about coach buck yes buck showalter he is a real life coach he played himself in the episode yeah he he seems very like considered and thoughtful you know when jerry uh, when sorry george is giving him uh, the idea of cotton uniforms he you know he takes on the idea and he really ruminates and he's like yeah i think you've got something there and i reckon he would have gone away and you know maybe gotten a few samples or like tried it out and really you know tested the idea before giving the nod to actually uh produce the uniforms too bad they didn't wash the clothes before they tried again huh yeah he didn't he didn't didn't think it all the way through no but you know how like the stereotype of a baseball coach is someone who's like really fiery and like aggressive and you know like like uh kramer says i can't remember which episode but he compares two people fighting to uh, a coach and an umpire in the on the baseball game where they're yeah. like ah, yeah, it's that's, also yelling screaming content. yeah and that, yeah. that's that's the stereotype of the baseball coach i i have in my head but he's pretty chill yeah no he seems very i reckon he's a very strategic coach he plays the long game you know he would talk to his players very calmly and and there would be no show of like even if he's in a bad spot they you know they're having a bad game i reckon he would always keep his cool he's very stoic you know oh, very stoic yeah yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's very and calculated. I, yeah, and I think I think that's probably why. I think I mean again, I'm not a huge uh baseball fan, probably because it's not really a thing here, but 
correct me if I'm wrong, if you are a baseball fan, if you're listening to this, but I think the Yankees in the 90s were quite successful. And I reckon it would have been a lot to do with his maybe slightly different coaching method of being methodical and strategic and unemotional as opposed to sort of aggressive and, and, and pretty uh, fiery, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Look, that's all I really had about him. He's only in one scene. But um, yeah, I, I reckon he would have been a good coach to uh, play under, sure. Yeah. Probably a nice change. Probably a nice change for the players, and I reckon he would have, you know, even if they had a bad game. Like another stereotype is that you know the the coach like rips into them at the end of the game in the locker room, like you guys play terribly and yeah. blah blah blah. I don't reckon he would have even done that. Yeah. You know, he probably would have had harsh words if necessary, but very selectively and only to maybe individuals in specific circumstances. I don't think he would have just blasted his team. He would have been encouraging as well, even if they had a bad game. How do you think he would have reacted with those cotton, uh, those shrunken cotton uniforms? Do you reckon that would have (laughs) changed his tune? Again, what I said before was that I I kind of blame him for it or whoever gave the final nod to actually make the uniforms because a cotton uniform shouldn't shrink, especially if you're making uniforms that are going to be used for sports. You know, they should be durable and they should be they should be made so that that sort of stuff doesn't happen. So if he gave the final nod or if he found someone to make the uniforms, it's kind of on him. So I reckon he would have – I don't reckon he could have blamed anyone, you know, because he, he can't blame George. George just gave him the idea. He didn't source the, the cotton. Well, as far as we know, he didn't source the cotton. <laughs> I reckon he would have been embarrassed for himself, not, not, not angry with George, because I, I would assume that the final decision was on him. Mm. as to where they were made and that's where george's descent began yeah <laughs> from those he, he probably blamed george though he's probably like oh this was costanza's idea yeah no maybe i mean that that happens sometimes in life where you know someone can't sort of cop the the, the blame for a mistake they've made mm. and then they start they start you know blaming someone else just to sort of uh you know push it away from themselves so yeah, I mean, you could have done that, but, you know, I mean, George is an easy target for that, I guess. So. I just love George's enthusiasm in the episode, you know, like I said, yeah. like working for the Yankees, coming up with ideas to make them better, and then it just descends into nihilism, working for the Yankees. It's just like <laughs> the daily grind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. it. Yeah, and then you sort of just becomes like uh, Steinbrenner's almost like dancing monkey in a way, just like, yes. it's just, he's just like his little plaything. He just messes with him, and he's sort of just like trapped in his weird Steinbrenner world. Yeah, he's the monkey while Steinbrenner's got the organ. That's it, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Do you have any yeah, other notes but... on any other secondary characters? Uh, no, that's really it. Ah, cool. Let's take one more break, and we're going to find out where the chaperone sits in our episodes that we've reviewed so far, and if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20. It's a most unusual day. Feel like throwing my worries away. And if I want to sing, throw my heart in the ring. It's a most unusual day. Ivan, do any of the secondary characters in this episode appear in your top 20? Funnily enough, yes. Uh, Karen Hansen is number 20 for me. Oh, I had a feeling that that might be the case. Yes. No, I really enjoyed her, and uh, she's one of those really good uh, one-off secondary characters. I liked her innocence. I liked the fact that, you know, like you mentioned before, usually Jerry's girlfriends might have an idiosyncrasy of some sort, but she didn't really have anything. Um, it was more bad luck that got her out of the uh, uh, Miss America pageant <laughs> contention more than anything, and also trying to take too much advice from uh, from old Cosmo. But yeah, I really liked her character. Yeah, no, she, she was good. It was good that uh, she was memorable without having to have you know a weird trait or a weird body part or something like that yeah yeah she had no idiosyncrasies at all 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, none of the characters appear in my top 20. Um, but yeah, shout out to Karen Hansen. Uh, she she was really, really good. Yeah. Before we wrap up, where does this episode uh, appear in your episode or appear in your list of episodes we've done so far? Out of 121 episodes we've done so far, number 92 for the chaperone. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. towards the bottom. Yeah, a bit forgetful, but ha- had its moments. You know, had a few things like Jerry's That's a Shame and, and all that. But uh, yeah, no, not really an episode that I found too memorable. Yeah. Number uh, 43 for me. Okay. I really like I really like this episode. Good. Um, I like, you know, I always like an, an episode where there's three or four moving storylines and they kind of coalesce at the end. This one did that really well where they're all at the hotel. You know, Jerry and George are staying a level above them and they accidentally kill Karen's birds. Mm-hmm. And Elaine uh, could have come for the ride if it wasn't for uh, Mr. Pitt's socks. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think if she came for the ride, it would have, you know, it, it, in terms of riding, it wouldn't have given the impression that her life is now just going to be like being... Doing asked. monotonous shit. Yeah, asked yeah. to do these weird tasks for this childlike weirdo. Mm-hmm. So I understand why they made that choice in terms of writing. But um, yeah, no, a really solid episode. A couple of classic scenes. Cool. Um, Kramer, Kramer just sort of, you know, sort of integrating himself suddenly in someone's life and them just fully buying into it is perfect Kramer. He, yeah. He, He's got that gift of the gab, and then it all just falls apart very quickly. So that was great. Living vicariously through uh, Karen. Yeah, that's it. And one thing I actually thought, you know, it was like a temporary little high. It was good to see George initially have a win. You know, he comes up with a good idea. He proposes it to a play uh, to the coach, and you know, it seems at the start that it's going to be a total winner. You know, when he's watch when they when they're playing the game, Jerry's impressed. It was good to just sort of have like a moment of hope for George of like, oh wow, he's actually his his life is now maybe on an upward trajectory, but. You know, five minutes later, uh, in episode runtime, you know, it's all dashed. It comes crashing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was it was going to get back to that, that stage anyway, but it was good to just have, like, a moment of potential upward trajectory for George, you know. And it's but, the second uh, time in the show's history that shrinkage affected George. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Indirectly. That association, but yeah, <laughs> yes. it's true. Yes. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we are doing a fan request episode. This one is from one of our super fans from the United States. His name's Jeff. Uh, we're doing season eight's The Fatigues. Nice. Yes. I haven't watched that episode in a while, so I'm looking forward to it. I sent 16 of my men to the latrines that night. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Or that day. So good. Indeed. That is another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, bibblebasspodcast at gmail.com or on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Um, you can listen to this episode, obviously, and uh, all of our previous episodes uh, on any podcast uh, service that you might use. And uh, at the start of the episode, we did uh, mention that we are reactivating Patreon, but just in case for some reason you skipped over that, mm-hmm. uh, if you head to our Patreon, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. As of April 1st, uh, we will be starting Curbcast Season 2. Um, Curbcast Season 1 is available on Patreon, but we are releasing that every Saturday on our normal feed yep. for anyone who might not want to uh, sub over on Patreon. Uh, and we will be maybe soon, probably in May or maybe June, we'll be... Uh, releasing our uh, season 11, our hypothetical season 11 of Seinfeld. That's right. So due to the uh, whole COVID-19 issue, we are going to be doing these over Skype indefinitely and we wanted to keep doing episodes because we're really enjoying it and we kind of want some normalcy in our lives. So it's good to keep doing the podcast instead of wallowing in all the despair that's happening in the world. Indeed, indeed. And uh, speaking of that, you know, wherever you are, I hope your life is uh, okay. I hope the people that are in your life 
uh, are okay. Uh, and if not, you know, just try and remain hopeful and try and do everything that you can to, you know, keep up the positivity and help out those around you. And please, again, if you're listening, we implore you to uh, respect the, the advice from doctors, which is social distancing, increase hygiene practices and, uh, you know, stay inside um, unless you absolutely have to venture outside for work or for shopping or for the doctors or something like that. And, and, and at least we can hope to give you an hours of decent entertainment every week if we can indeed hope so yeah that's right and uh you know with uh with a bit of help from uh, each other and a bit of help from watching uh binging seinfeld on netflix or oh, sorry on whatever whatever service you choose to use uh you know we'll get through this together and then we'll, we'll look back on it and um you know it'll be a memory rather than a reality absolutely well my name's ivan and i'm Stephen. and yes you take care of yourselves and each other and uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of bid take care have a good one bye